You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. And if we're not the only podcast of its kind tomorrow, at least we can say we were number one, baby. We beat everybody else to the market, okay? I can't kick off the show without paying homage to our sister company, J-Home Marketing and Creative Services, and in particular, their book editing division, Bookmark. Bookmark enables you to get your book published. You keep your copyright and you never suffer professional execution. That's because they use the same software as the big pubs. You know the ones we're talking about. They've been around like 200 years, those big pubs. To find out more information about Bookmark and getting your book self-published, head on over to jhillmark.com slash bookmark. And that's jhillmark, two L's in hill just so you know. My guest today is a person who admittedly talks about how he has made things hard for himself. When he talks about that, and as he is doing so in his soon-to-be-released book, I noted his willingness to share how he's overcoming self-sabotage. It's not tied to anything remarkable you wouldn't think, but it is a fresh idea. I want us to explore it together. I know self-sabotage is something that a lot of us can relate to. So today, we're going to talk with Bryce Vance of the Inbound Secret and Funnel Driven LLC, and we're going to hear stories of self-sabotage and what he did to wake himself up. Bryce Vance is a master content creator. He is able to, like Superman, crank out content in a single bound. In talking to him, you'll realize that he always ends on the upswing and we always want people like that on the show without further ado please welcome my friend and burgeoning bestseller bryce vance how are you doing hillary pleasure hey. to be on yeah this is so great this is so, so i i have to interrupt you for a second you need to do all of my intros forever so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, all I am is a truth teller. I should probably get a shirt that says that. But truly, like this is these are your accomplishments. So you make it very easy to talk about, you know? And so you have to pay homage to yourself. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm just saying, I recognize talent when talent comes in and you and Danny are like the two biggest hype men I've ever, well, hype woman and hype man <laughs> that I've ever met. So I'm just saying, I need recordings of like all my intros forever. So we, we, should, we should get together on that. I'm just saying, like book intro, you could do movie quality commercial falling into play, do Michael nice. Bay explosions for the backing, you know. Oh, yes, snap. I totally will all day. Because, you know, this is a guilty pleasure. I don't really get paid for this. In fact, I go on the whole every month for this show. But it's a compulsion to bring people like yourself <clears throat> on the show. And to make sure that we have so many different guests and opinions and the way things work for our very special community of chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs. Because one of these guests is going to stick with them. One of them is going to be like, boom, oh, you explained it that way? So now I get it. Now I can make a change. Now I can take a first step. And, and so I have to keep going. I've tried to quit it twice because of illness. And then life was like, I will bitch slap you. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feel. I had a, uh, so one of the biggest things, and you and me were talking about this before we mm -hmm. decided to hop on was somewhere along the lines, I came up with the term consistency conquers complacency. I love it. And I don't know where it came from. I've been saying it like religiously for like a month now, three weeks or four weeks, but I don't know where I got the idea. Yeah. I think the first time I said it was I said it to one of my coaching clients because she was freaking out about like, should she keep posting on Thursdays for videos? And I'm like, hmm. fuck yes, you should. What do you mean? What? <laughs> 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 what a question. So, yeah, so it started there, but it, it actually kind of resonates to a lot of the historical things that have happened in my life, where not only have I self-sabotaged, or we're working on not doing so, but friends or family was. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like, this is actually in my book, 
the title we're still working on, by the way. I have no idea what that is yet. I will. Yeah, I noted you... that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my buddy Derek was going through a divorce at the time, and he had just moved back. I hadn't seen him in years because he used to live in the town I live in. He moved to Portland when he got married. I lived there for like four years, five years, six years, something like that, mm-hmm. and moved back just all of a sudden. And we found out that it was because his wife was leaving him. He was getting divorced. He was taking it real hard. Uh, and we had caught up for the first time in years. And we were just having a drink out back at a friend's house. And he said that one of my Instagram posts are the reason why he's still okay and still here today. Jeez. And I, fu- I fucking lost my mind. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, that's so much responsibility. Holy you- shit. Yeah. Then I'm like, well, shit, now I can't not use Instagram. i was just gonna like ease my way out not happening yeah because at that time i had like 400 followers right Uh i was barely using the damn thing and then he comes on with this fucking whopper and i'm like well shit okay now i have it forever (laughs) you do you yeah i won't let you quit either like if i see you like creeping away i'll be like (laughs) yeah hey hey what are you doing you, you get back there. You do the thing. <laughs> you do the thing. That, right. You know, so let's back up for a second because I want to get everybody familiarized with who you are, okay? Mm-hmm. And I call this like the quasi-elevator speech without like death by PowerPoint, of course. Well, we're not visual anyways. But how did you get to today? Uh, lots and lots of prolific mistakes. Um, okay. I've done, so I've had a job in about every goddamn industry you can think of besides fast food. Somehow that's the industry I always avoided. Yeah. Mostly because I think I would hate it. (laughs) Oh, I, oh my gosh. You know what? My kids worked there for a while and I was like, I can smell you before you open the front door. Plus I've always, I've always had this problem with somebody like aggressively telling me what to do. So... (laughs) I don't think I would have done well in a kitchen. Like somebody would have been like, do this, yell at me, I'd throw a pan. Like it just wouldn't and, uh, have gone like, well. They'd be like, three cheeseburgers, <laughs> let's go, filet of fish, we need it now, now, now. And you'd be like, what the hell? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, so fuck this shit, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that is hysterical. That is now, absolutely hysterical. During all of this, who the hell knows what I was looking for, didn't know who I was or what my passion or job was. Uh, I have done, I basically have a similar story to a lot of the people that I associate with and have had the honor of becoming friends with, such as Stuman and Jeff and Mm -hmm. Tom and yourself having made mistakes in the past. All of us do. All of us, absolutely. And But I didn't spend any significant time in jail. I think my longest stint was like three or four days. I'm impressed because I, you know what? That's on my bucket list. Like, I don't and, know if I'm going to get in there, but I need to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? So it turns out talking <laughs> shit to an old cop with a handlebar mustache is a really good way to get arrested <laughs> and get your face broken. Oh, you got so, your <laughs> face broken. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I've got a scar on the bottom right side of my lip. Oh. That's about, that's about a centimeter long. That's from my teeth cutting my lip open when this said officer that, and I want to preface this, I full on deserved this. Okay. okay. I, was being, I was being an asshat. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. I was like 18, dumb as shit talking shit to a cop who was just doing his job and then he bounced my face off of the hood of his car like a basketball. Uh, I mean, like, (laughs) we always talk about people who are 18, they don't know shit. And you know what? I would just like to go on record and state that as my official opinion. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're 18 and listening to this, but dude, you don't even know what you don't know yet. You know? Oh, 100%. (laughs) Hell, my story right now is proof of that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just so, like, if you're 18 and listening, like, just be open to learning. That's your your only thing to do. Just be open to learning and give it a shot. But don't don't be a dumbass. I was a dumbass, too, though. I mean, I really was. So I totally get it. I hold you in no judgment. And I really, I think more people need to share things like that about their past so that we're, we just don't stigmatize, 
you know, needing to live these perfect lives and never making a mistake. Making mistakes are priceless. Making mistakes is what got me here. Yes, exactly. I, I mean, I never even would have, and granted, I don't have my degree. I'm like six credits shy from college because I dropped out to work and I was, I was in this like engagement thing. It, it was during the same time frame. I was not, I didn't, I was not the smartest child as far as like making intelligent decisions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Formal education wise, that's fine. I was the kid that, I mean, I was accounted for as a sophomore, like 68 days or 38 days or some shit the whole year. I got expelled as a sophomore from the school district because I was the kid that walked in, aced the test, fucked off for the rest of the day to go hang out with friends. Sure. And the school was not cool with that. They were not having it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why? I'm so confused right now. Oh, my God. So, but that mistake, me getting expelled, ultimately got me to start college. And then that ultimately got me to start thinking about like what, who I was, what I wanted, what I enjoyed, like how things started. And college is where I first started really experiencing marketing and advertising. Right. And, Absolutely. And like that ended up being part of like who I am as a person, not, not just because it's what I do for work, but it's what I thoroughly enjoy doing mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. helping other people help other people. That's what it's all about though. I mean, it really is when you get down to it, it, and when you do that, so this ties in very nicely with the, the crux of what we're talking about today, which is self-sabotage. So you did find yourself in a spiral a little bit. And I happen to know that because I happen to know your book. So you were in a <laughs> bit of a spiral and you got yourself out, but you also activated a little bit of a superpower. And, uh, and tell us about that because it's surprising. What happens when you do for other people? So I found this actually by accident. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I found this at probably the worst part of my life. Uh, and it, you, you know my book, so you know exactly kind of what I'm circling. I don't want to give too much away on here, but uh, yeah. let's, just, let's just say I made it past rock bottom. Yes, you certainly did. And during that time, uh, somehow along the way, whether by accident or grand intervention or just pure, sheer, stubborn stupidity, <laughs> what, one of those or all of those uh, kind of just got to a point where like, I just started doing things in spite of myself. So like yeah. if somebody... So if somebody needed help moving, whether or not I could afford to or had time or could do it, I would do it. If somebody needed help getting in marketing, if they need help getting something set up, like I've got clients now that we had to create payment plans for that did not exist before. Right. So we could help them. And we started this and I really started it like myself by accident, like I said, where you actually help yourself by helping people help people. So like paying it forward actually changes not only their life, but your life. And it, it's this weird concept. I know it sounds cliche as hell, but I can tell you right now, if you met me five years ago and you met me now, I'm a completely different person. So did you immediately pick up on the fact that you felt valuable? Did it, did it give you what you were looking for in terms of like, I don't, I don't feel very valuable. I'm at rock bottom. So I'm looking for something to pull me out of that ravine, right? I'm looking for something mm -hmm. to pull me out of the ditch. And so you started helping people. Did you all of a sudden were you like, oh my gosh, you know what? I matter. Absolutely not. Okay. No. Uh, the self-sabotage as a whole, like as a totality, yeah, kind of stopped during that evolution, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it didn't stop completely. Like there were many, 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 many times that I would self-sabotage in different ways, not the same ways that I did before this event, before discovering paying it forward and, and really doing things in spite of money or in spite of yourself mm -hmm. help change really everything. Uh, but like I would get complacent with something or I'd get comfortable with a situation or I'd get lazy in a situation or 
like I would just put something off too far and procrastinate a little too much. And then, it, and that self-sabotaged everything. Cause then I'd go from like having a steady, comfortable flow in life to having garbage fires every Tuesday. Cause I had to figure some shit out that I caused for myself. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it got to a point where, uh, it was detrimental not only to myself, but also to the company. Uh, cause I'm, I'm like the, I'm the CEO. So I'm like the face of the company. Right. 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 And before opening up the three other divisions, like there were a lot of times where I was like, fuck, I got to handle this now. And I'm working 16, 20 hour days. Mm-hmm. You're exhausted. For, <laughs> where, where I'm just beat. Like <laughs> I'm just done. Yeah. just, and it ended up self-sabotaging to the point where like, I no longer loved what I love doing. So I had to figure it out. So there's all kinds of, so I, I'm surfing right now, mindtools.com and just looking at different ways that self-sabotage manifests to give people a, a broader idea of what might be included into what you're doing. Procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. That's interesting. So it's not always like, I'm going to stride forward and set this thing on fire. It might just be like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to let this erode away. And then the opportunity is gone. Or, um, you know, I'm going to do a shitty job on it. So or not do it. Or not do it. You might not do yeah. it at all. Um, mm-hmm. So even if, and I think this happens with a lot of entrepreneurs. You just get so gung-ho, like, I'm ready to go. I want to do this. And then we get scared. And then we just stop. So that's oh, 100%. Important. Yeah, and that's another thing. We also might talk negatively uh, about ourselves. Did you have negative self-talk? Oh, all the time. What yeah. did you say to yourself? It, it's kind of funny that you bring that up because me and, like, one of my – Damon's my fitness coach, right? Yeah. And – I've talked to him a little bit about this and uh, Brittany, she's also, uh, she's a client of mine, but she's also a friend of mine. She's a fitness coach. Negative self-talk, if used properly, can be a good motivating tool. Oh. Like, so like if you're in the gym, right, and you're, you don't want to be there, you're tired, but you know you have to get it done. Yeah. Talk a little bit of shit to yourself will motivate the <laughs> shit out of yourself. Right? So you're not going to be like, come on, you fat horse's ass, move it, move it. Like you're not going to do that, but you're going to be like, come on, you know what? You well, don't go home and not have tried your best. Is it that type of a thing or? Well, it could be both. It really depends on who you what? are as a person. It definitely <laughs> can. So like for me, like I don't get offended easily. Like okay. you have to really, really try to offend me. Okay. And even then, you may or may not be able to. Okay. You, you might piss me off, but you might not offend me, <laughs> right? There, there's a difference. So, like, if I'm having, like, just a rough, beat-up day, right? Yeah. And I still have, like, yesterday, right? I went to the gym and crushed shoulders and calves in street clothes because I didn't have time to make it home to change and grab my gym shit to make it to the gym in time. That is amazing. I would die of embarrassment because I always <laughs> feel like I have to put on this outfit when I go to the gym, like the appropriate outfit to be seen as like, oh, you're acceptable and you care about your fitness. So I'm in awe of you right now. Full full street clothes, watch it all. Like, (laughs) That's insane. I love it. So I'm in there and like, I was not motivated at all. Right. Yep. And then, and then my mind goes to fuck your excuses and then G code and then like, we are what winning looks like. But at the same time, part of my brain's like, look, you fucking lazy son of a bitch. Just go pick up the heavy shit, put it down a bunch, and then you can get your ass home. <laughs> you just broke so, it all the way down. Yeah. So, like, in my mind, a part of me's going like, "You're." I forget. It's. I think it's an Eddie Murphy movie, but it's he's like a sergeant in the military, just oh, screaming sorry. at people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I know you've seen it. it came out like the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, what the fuck's his name? Sergeant uh, Beverly Hills Cop. That one would work too. Either mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like that type of drill sergeant thing, do to yourself. It fucking works. Okay. And I found out something interesting in it. If you, if you change the circumstance on negative speak to yourself, yeah. you remove its power. So if you're like 
throughout your day just talking shit to yourself, making yourself feel worthless or down, right? Mm-hmm. Go say that kind of stuff in like a motivating tone, like a drill sergeant in the gym. You will stop giving a fuck about what your emotional status is during the rest of the day. Like you may still have the thought of, oh, you're fat, you're lazy, you're, you're tired, nobody cares. But yeah. pretty soon you're just going to be like, yeah, fuck you, I'll deal with you later at the gym. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is really good compartmentalization. That's what I'm hearing. It's like, take it. If you can't shut it off, and I do want to say very quickly, I just learned something this week. This is a Tony Robbins thing. It's an NLP thing, neuro-linguistic programming. Where I love you- me some NLP. I know, me too. And like when you hear, it's like this evil, villainy superpower you can unleash on yourself and others sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you, when you use it effectively, because it all taps into how the brain works. So if you can't stop fixating on talking shit to yourself in a really negative way, I'm not talking about like, come on, pick up that barbell or whatever. I'm talking about like, you know, you're never going to be worth anything and, you know, just really getting down on yourself. When you hear those thoughts, you can just counter them with a word. I use, and I didn't know I was doing this, but I use, um, so I plan for that. So if I hear it, I go, um, and it's kind of sentences because I'm an English you can also, nerd. You can also shift the context. Okay, so you can either say a word like abracadabra, okay, that just stops it, or you say cancel, 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 or I say, um, okay, you know that's a lie. What's really going on? You know, and it just, it's like a pattern interrupt. Yeah, the, there's another NLP thing, and this actually comes from copywriting, using NLP in, in written word to convey an emotion. Oh my God, let me have it. So you can shift context of an item or phrasing. Since phrasing matters in all reality is your perception, and we define what we perceive based on our experience, if you're somebody who has that negative self-doubt, like you know you're never going to amount to something, depending on who you identify as, are are you a shy individual? Are you a stubborn individual? Like where the things that you may think are your weakness can actually be your strength in this situation. So if you're, if you're shy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you're shy because you care about somebody else's opinion in most cases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you care about somebody else's opinion, you know who you are. So if your internal voice is saying you're never going to amount to anything and you know, you amount to something, change the context of that term you're not going to amount to anything in so-and-so's eyes. Now you have defined who that person is and it can be a fictitious person. And then you can either lock that person away or you can use it as a proof of concept. How do we overcome things we're afraid of? We tackle them. How do we, how do we typically learn an event or get over a, a trauma? We explore them. Right. Psychology states that you have to go back to the scene of, for the lack of a better term, scene of a crime, scene of experience, right? Sure. Well, if your scene of experience is you've got poor self-image, why do you have poor self-image? Define it and change the context. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to make it roll faster. Interesting. So, for instance, if you've heard growing up, you're not good at math. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe this was a sibling or your mom or whoever said it to you. then what would you do with that? Now now change the context. What type of math? You may be fucking brilliant at elementary math. Yeah. You just may not be good at trigonometry. That's fine. Right, right. Change the context. You can, and you can also say, if I'm hearing you right, you can also say, I'm not good at math to this person, but I don't really care about that. I'm Mm -hmm. not, and so you are kind of debunking the weight of their approval you're removing the power you've given a circumstance it's it's just like changing the phrasing for the context of it your mom tells you you suck at math you grow up your whole life thinking that you're an idiot right 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 but but you happen to be very good at geometry well geometry is math i'm not good at algebra i'm good at geometry You just broke the entire cycle of what your entire adolescence trained you. You're not good at math is no longer true. It isn't. 
It isn't true. And you know what? I rock the Casbah at elementary math. I truly, truly do. Just I can do shit in my head and whatever. Mm -hmm. And of course, you need to have those skills as a business owner. But you know what? I don't fucking rock the Casbah at algebra or geometry or really anything Mm -hmm. beyond that. So I love that because it enables you to explore. I don't know. It just feels like you're breaking open in different areas where you have been closed down. And that's really what it is. You used the term earlier. It's a pattern interrupt. It is a pattern interrupt, yeah. And- when, <clears throat> when we get, and I, you know how I feel about the word complacency. I use it as a negative connotation. Right. It does not have to be, but I use it as one. Oh, boy. When, I don't know. I, <clears throat> I think it is. That's just my it, feeling. For, for the definition I use it for, it's always negative. Okay. But, but you can, once again, change the context of the word and redefine its phrase with anything. Interesting. Okay. Good example of this is, and this is going to get real weird. I'm not meaning to offend anybody here, but the swastika for centuries was a symbol of peace, love, and unity. Sure. And then Hitler comes and redefines the context of its term, and now its phrasing means hatred. Okay, that's amazing because I did not know that. So, um, and it's also really sad that somebody can just take something and then apply a sweeping hatred to it and change it forever. Wow. Yeah, if, if I remember correctly, it was like a Buddhist symbol. Like it, it's lived longer than most cultures have lived. Wow. And one man was able to adopt it and change its connotation for the rest of history because yeah. reality's perception and that's what we perceive it as now. Do you, you think can do the you, same thing for the positive? So, do you think Hitler was using NLP? Oh, 100%. But Are everybody you, does. And you don't even uh, know it. <clears throat> yeah, everybody uses some form of NLP in their daily life to some extent, whether or not you realize it. Like, everybody hates on Trump, and this is not a political statement. But even in his dumbest statements, like his Twitter, he should not have a Twitter, okay? (laughs) Whether you like him, love him, or hate him, he says some dumb shit on Twitter. But if you break break it down, it's intelligent as fuck because he's literally programming you to undervalue his thought process. So, one, he's losing the accountability. If you Mm -hmm. think he's dumb, you're not going to hold him to the same standard you are to somebody else. Two, when he overachieves anything, literally by doing anything, he's programmed you to think that's amazing. <laughs> oh my God, when are you running for president? It's like he, he, he has mastered NLP to the public forum. Jeez, that is scary though. But is it? Because you're, we, we're using it right now. If you break down, and there's, there's going to be people that argue with this because you can get really scientific with neurolinguistic processing. Sure. If you really break down NLP to like a third grade level, mm-hmm. it is anchoring, phrasing, and terminology, language, mm-hmm. to an emotion that will derive a result. That is all it is. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm like, Cruella DeVille of the publishing world helping people tell their stories like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the manipulation. I mean, but I guess we all do it. It's not, and, it, and manipulation has a negative connotation too. It's not always negative, is it? No. Okay. It's, so let's- it's just like sales. Sales has a negative connotation, but sales is literally good for everybody. If I sell you something that I need in exchange, in exchange for the money that you earned for a product or service that you need, want, and will benefit you. Yes. Now I've benefited because now I can eat because I have money. Right. You benefit because your pain point, your problem is solved. Right. And then the economy benefits because now we have velocity of money, which translates to the liquidity of our existence. It benefits everybody. It does benefit everybody. I, I think that the caveat is that um, to make sure that you're not just selling to sell, that, that you do have some level of self-responsibility and selling people what will benefit them. I think that's the important uh, piece of it because Ryan does talk about that. He does talk about anytime. I, I agree. Like, yeah. Anytime he talks about neuro-linguistic programming, he says, use it responsibly. And it's, and it's mm-hmm. very true because 
it is so effective and all of a sudden you can just find yourself, you know, issuing mind control, for lack of a better term. I think it's important to recognize that too, because like you can ask Josh or anybody that's worked with me or for me or is a client. Yeah. I don't believe I sell things. I don't train my people to sell things. Okay. I train them to offer a solution if we have a solution, keyword if, because we're not the right fit for everybody, Mm -hmm. and help them buy it if they want to solve their problem. If they don't, that's fine. My job isn't to sell you something. It's to offer you a solution. If you like the solution, cool. If not, cool. So do you, so let's go, let's backtrack a little bit. Do you think you used NLP to stop the cycle of self-sabotage? On myself, 100%. Really? Mm -hmm. Did you realize what you were doing? Is it even possible to realize what you're doing when you're using it on yourself or would the realization of what you're doing stop any progress at all? I didn't realize it was NLP for years, uh, and it's actually kind of funny because the first experience that I had with NLP wasn't even actually called NLP. Mm. It was from Cardone University on his Sales Mastery 101 course. Okay. And the first thing he says in that, I think it's like module two or something. Uh, In that course, he says something along the fashion of there's a sale made in every conversation and every day of everybody's life. You just haven't realized it. Hmm. And then he goes on to say that you've been selling your whole life. If you, if you walk up to anybody and they say they don't like sales, then they don't like existence because in order for you to ever have a girlfriend, have a job, buy a car, go to the store, go to sleep, have a conversation with your friend, make a new friend, get a family member, get wed, get divorced, literally everything that we do in our daily lives, there is a sale. There is a transaction of some kind of social currency. It doesn't have to be monetary. Mm, Social currency. Oh my God, that sounds, that's intriguing. And it also sounds like a great band name. It doesn't it though, like yes. from like like hair metal time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally, totally. So you use this on yourself. Your did your thoughts, your internal speaking to yourself, did that begin to change? And could you could you start to track that and say like, was it like waking up one day and going, hey, you know what? I'm actually not saying shitty things to me. Or if I'm saying shitty things to me, I know I'm kidding <laughs> or I'm using it to motivate myself or whatever. Was there, was there a time when you were alert to that? And I don't even know if I'd say alert. I just started doing things that I never thought I would have ever done or believed in. Like I see a psychiatrist. My, mm-hmm. entire, my entire life I thought psychi- psychology and counseling was a hack profession and a wasted time and money. Okay, okay. Until that pivotal moment in my life, and I was like, fuck it. It's the only thing I haven't tried. Let's do it. Right. And, like, I just kept doing it. Like, I don't know why I kept doing it. But hell, I still do every now and then. Not nearly as often as I used to before, mostly because of scheduling. But Dude, I do too, though. Like, if I'm stuck in life um, or I'm just, like, really grappling with something – and I don't, I don't know what to do. And I, and I don't feel like my discretion is the clearest. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a relationship. It could be, a, you know, stuff I have mm-hmm. going on personally, whatever. When you go to that counseling or that psychiatrist, it really seems like part of that is you're getting the validation. Yes, you are allowed to feel this way, but it's always about you. It is carving out that chunk of time for yourself to take care of your mind mm-hmm. and it feels really good. Yeah, I think I think my biggest I guess indication of change mm-hmm. was like I said earlier, I've been a prolific mistake maker. Right. I I used to have a very very quick fire temper uh and I used to not handle things the best way. Like I had a tendency for violence when violence was not necessarily the smartest move. Right. Right. And I noticed pretty rapidly after like this new change of 
pay it forward, do things in spite of yourself, uh, like really just kind of carve time to do different, right? Yes. Uh, that even when I was put into a situation that I knew previously I would have reacted to instantaneously violently, mm-hmm. I just walked away. I didn't get mad. I didn't get upset. I didn't, I didn't have any emotional change. I just walked away. Okay, so talk about that shift. That's a huge, huge shift in knee-jerk reactions, in grooving out, conditioning for yourself throughout your entire life. All of a sudden, you're walking away. What is precipitating that? I don't even know if I have like a direct answer to that because that was one of those pivotal things where I'm like, holy shit. And you start thinking and you're like, that that's new like (laughs) like that i handled that way better than i ever did my entire life uh and then you start thinking about it and when you start actually breaking it down like for me at least i realized that i was no longer having the negative self connotation i wasn't responding to violence i wasn't even putting myself in situations with people that i knew could have any effect to that like i changed my entire circle without even realizing that I changed my entire circle. Like, it just seemed like normal daily life to me. But I'm not associating at the same places. I'm not going to the same organizations. I'm not talking to the same type of people. I changed my type of circle. I changed my thought patterns. I changed my daily routine subconsciously because of small incremental changes of me just doing things for others that then kind of changed who I was. So your perspective came in hindsight. And I, I like, and I want to highlight on this for a minute, because so many times I think people feel very put upon to make a change. And then first they have to become self-aware. And we've all heard this, um, awareness is the first step, right? Or admitting it is the first step. But sometimes you can't admit it. Sometimes, and because we're all different. So, and this is interesting. So let me ask you a question. And I swear to God, it does pertain to this conversation. Are <laughs> you, are you able to make your ears rumble? Rumble? Yes. Do you know what an ear rumbler is? I don't. Okay. So it's when- you got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> so this is amazing because now I have learned that the world is- uh, divided up into people who can ear rumble and who I can do make, not. I can make my ears move. I don't know if that counts as a rumble. <laughs> so okay, so if you put uh, if you put your thumb over your ear and you kind of block out some of the th- some of the sounds, you'll hear like a distant thunder. But you can also flex your what is it? It's contracting the tensor tympani muscle of the middle ear so you might hear this when you're um yawning deeply for example or if you make like a super intense screwed up face um and what happens is the neck or jaw muscles can be highly tensed as well so i got that from the uh, wikipedia by the way but i can make my ears rumble and uh, so you know I'm going to have to try this later, right? Like well, when you- I'm not wearing headphones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because some people can just flex it and some people, you know, can't do it or whatever. It's kind of like, um, can you roll your tongue or, you know. In one, in one direction. In, okay, like, see. Like one direction I can roll my tongue perfectly and the other direction it's like I accidentally ran face first into a pole. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that cop, you need to get in touch with him and be like, dude, man, you messed up my tongue rolling ability. Thanks a lot. But the whole Something. Point, yeah. So, but the whole point of this, the, oh, and the other thing too is that, and I'm doing, I'm working on a book with somebody and we're talking about the ways that thoughts manifest. So some people, and this is on the, the path of the ear rumbling too, some people actually have distinct and complete sentences in their heads. So, and then they they get the thought, it manifests as a complete sentence, and then they speak it. 
and other people have this kind of assimilation of more of a, a, a hazy coming together of a general overall results and then bleh, it comes out of their mouth. So the point is that everybody is different. And I like to highlight that because you did not have the self-awareness. So for anybody who's listening is like, well, I don't even know how to get self-aware. Um, I'm so far beyond that point and I'm just in this grotto. It's important to take action then. And what you're talking about is accepting invitations. You're talking about accepting the knowledge that somebody wants you to be a part of something. Oh, you want me to help you move. Okay, that must be because you find me to be valuable in terms of this job. So there are different ways mm -hmm. to get to changing your life, aren't there? Oh, absolutely. One of my, one of my favorite quotes, uh, and this one's not mine, I swear. This is actually Marshall Silver. Uh, he says, fail forward fast. Yeah. And the reason I love that so much is, it, one, he adds it in a really nice connotation. He, he basically just calls you out, like full-on calls you out in the middle of everything. And it's like, you want to know the only difference between you and a millionaire or a billionaire today? Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait, what? I mean, besides the billion dollars? Yeah, and then he responds. He's like, really, the only difference is they're not afraid to fail. You are. Yes. They've, very, fa yeah. they've failed so many times that when a failure occurs, now it's just fail forward fast. How do I fail, move forward, and do it quickly? You know, That's all that matters. I'm of the school of thought, too, that failure is internal. Failure occurs when we pronounce we have failed. If we never state that mm -hmm. to ourselves and we just say, okay, that was an error. I'm going to gather the information that I need about this so I never take that misstep again. But if we never pronounce that and we never say that is a failure and we just keep moving forward, we are not going to fail. What we're doing is learning on our way to success. So I see rejection as an external thing and failure yeah. as internal. Well, and I, I kind of, I like your connotation because like I'm stubborn if you haven't noticed. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm shocked. I almost spit my drink out. Right? It's weird. It's surprising. Uh, a good example of this, like I mentioned Damon, right? Yeah. So he's been, he's been a client for a while now, and he's going to continue to be one for years to come. Right. And one of the things that have been kind of an off and on was conversion. We've gotten a ton of results for him, but every now and then it comes to like, well, why aren't people buying stuff, right? Right. And it's always interesting because things change, market trends change, pricing changes, position changes, et cetera. So I, and this isn't even something I get paid to do, right? Like I am not a call center. It's not why I get hired to do it. None of my company. <laughs> Are you sure? But I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, if it is, I need new insurance because my insurance doesn't cover that. So. Oh, now, so me and him are talking and he's like, Hey man, like I don't like I have a problem. And I'm like, okay, well let me try something. So I, I just called his leads for him. Like just called as on behalf of him and got a 15% close rate the first day. Wow. And, and the only difference was how I was approaching the conversation. I was approaching it from the side of, I'm not going to let a sale slip out of my fingers. If I know it, it can change this person's life just Absolutely. because they have an unanswered question where other people that uh, both I have put in place and that Damon has put in place were approaching it as we've got a large enough amount of volume. Let's just move on to the next one. And if they want it later, they'll come back. Okay. So, and, and the only reason I point that out, Damon's great at what he does. He's great at talking to these people and signing people up. The people I put in place are also good at it. And I just have a different opinion when it comes to how you should be quote unquote selling. Right. If I know that my product or service will change your life, I'm not going to take no as an answer unless you give me a legitimate no. If your no is just no, I'm not interested or no, I can't afford it right now. That's bullshit. People afford what they want to afford. Yes, you just that's have an true. unanswered question. 
what is that question that you need the answer to? Because if it's something I can help you with, I'll answer it. If it's not, I'm fine parting ways, but at least you knew that I tried for you. Okay, I love that because I think, it's, I think that's really important to clarify what you just said. So when you're hearing a no, I can't afford it. What I'm hearing is that this person is saying, I don't see the value in what you have explained to me. I still need more information to tell myself, hey, this is worth it. Yeah, and if it turns out that after value has been assessed that mm -hmm. you don't need it, that is fine. Right, right. But you can't just leave it on the table and be like, all right, well, that sounds good. And, you know, it's interesting because I posted today about no is an answer. <clears throat> and no is an answer. It is a complete sentence. We're not talking about no in terms of, you know, setting boundaries and things of that nature. This is sales. It's something that's, it's a totally different connotation. So I just want to make that distinction so people aren't like, hello, hypocrite. I, I do <laughs> want to point out in relation to your post though, because I absolutely agree with you. No is an answer. It's a complete sentence. It does have value. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to assess what, in regards to your post. We're shifting the conversation here just so everybody listening is aware. Right. There are circumstances where that is more of a fallacy in your mind than a distinction at first. And I want to specify this very carefully. Okay. Okay. Good. In the circumstance of where no means no, you are 100% correct all the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Consent in anything is an ongoing thing. It is right. not predetermined. It's not like Tuesday you say yes and all of a sudden the rest of your fucking life is yes. That's not how that works. Okay. <laughs> I'm just scribbling notes to myself. And <laughs> but mentally, we associate no being no in other connotations without knowing it. The example that I always use when I'm coaching somebody through how to have organic conversations, how to connect to people more, mm -hmm. is how many times have you ever gone to Best Buy, walked in, and instinctually, even if you knew yourself, you told yourself you were walking into the store to ask for help to find a solution. Somebody offers help and you instinctually tell them no. Um, we have done that a lot because we just get in these moods where it's like, please just let us shop in peace. Yep. Now that translates to a lot of different parts of our life. Mm -hmm. One that affected me was in my prior relationships. Mm -hmm. I take responsibility for a lot of this stuff. There were many times where I just ingrained in myself to say no to something before I even heard, understood, experienced, or added value to what it could be. I just said no. So in, in relation to your post, because I know what you're talking about, I just want to make sure that the audience is aware that they don't have to box themselves into translating no means no where no means no, which is true, into everything there is some fluidity in language that really does come down to who you are as a person. Okay, that's very interesting. So it's not this broad brush saying no because it's not like yes man, but the opposite is no man, right? The movie exactly. with Jim Carrey, it's not like that. Like I'm just going to blindly go about and say yes to everything or say no to everything. We do have to apply some sort of context to the situation to make the decision. So, and I guess, you know, this is more about, it's more about, oh my gosh, I'm just really struggling with this because there are so many different ways to look at it. And I'm a very much a box person. Like I put everything in a box and I say, it's in this <laughs> box and here's this label and that's the way it goes. But it's not like that in life, is it? In some, in some situations, it very well can be. Like, you can compartmentalize, okay, kitchen stuff or automotive stuff or work stuff. Like, you can do that, but, like, your existence isn't. Yeah. Ma mathematically <laughs> speaking, and this is, like, a weird tidbit of information, but quantum, quantum theory and quantum mathematics, uh, mathematics for particle integration string theory yeah. have come up with a calculation that states that if one person ever in human history creates a simulation that like virtual reality yeah 
that is good enough to be indistinguishable visually from reality, there is a 99.987% chance that today we are fake. What? Well, what am, what am I? So, are we conjurings of some crazy-ass giant's imagination? Are we like at the end of Men in Black, where it's a pullback from the scene, and they're playing marbles with the with, earth? With the earth? Yeah, yeah. So, so mathematically, that, and it's a super interesting theorem, uh, and you can actually look it up on YouTube. There's a ton of good stuff basically states that if one occurrence ever creates uh, that paradigm shift, mm -hmm. it will escalate so quickly and reproduce at such a high scale that it is mathematically impossible for us to be the real humans. We're a simulation of a simulation of a simulation, and our reality is a fallacy that we've constructed, which is why reality is perception. Wow, that is crazy. And um, it also brings me back to Multiplicity, the movie with Michael Keaton. Yep. And the copy of the copy, you know? Mm -hmm. and, it, and is that us? And so, oh, and that's really fascinating too, because if we're all copies of a copy, then what is the original like? The original must be fantastic. But, but would it be? Is it, is it different? I don't know. It, <laughs> that's where my brain goes. Because if we're opening that Pandora's box, like, maybe I'm weird. Like, I want to know because I'm curious. And, like, curiosity killed the cat. I get that. But satisfaction brought him back is, like, my answer to that statement. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the reason for that is, does it matter? Does it matter if we are or are not real? If we're the architects of how, how we live, how we exist, if we can architect self-sabotage and architect a way out of self-sabotage, does it matter that to somebody else we are not real? Because to us, we are. Okay, so I would just like to know who's in charge of me because there are some things that I want to talk to the management about. You are. Just because we're fake doesn't mean you're not in charge. Okay, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because all of a sudden, then I must be splitting with reality. But do you? you? So you know my book, right? Yes. What's one of the first things I say in the intro? I use the word superposition. Yes. Have you looked up the definition of a superposition? I'm going to right now. I'll, I'll just read it to you so the audience can hear it too. All right. A superposition in, in quantum mechanics states... That, a, that at a quantum scale, particles can also be thought of as waves. Bit like waves overlapping each other in the ocean. That's okay. like a visual representation, right? Sure. This is known as a superposition of states. If you're thinking in the term of particles, existence, people, toasters, whatever you want to think of, mm -hmm. it means that a particle can be in two places at once or exist and not exist simultaneously. Oh my God. Okay. So this is just like uh, Schrodinger's cat, I believe. And I, or did I get that wrong? Yeah. Is it Schrodinger's yes. cat? You, you are there, but you're not there at the same time. But it could also be that you're here and somewhere else at the same time and still be the same thing. Okay. And, and I'm just going to add on to this. And I have no idea how to even quantify this episode. Like we started out with self-sabotage. I don't even know what I'm going to call this freaking thing now. It's going to be like <laughs> journey through space I time. I don't know. <laughs> craziest damn thing. But, okay. So somebody else floated this idea and she was like, you are living multiple lives at the same time. Not, not like, um, okay, so you've got your one life, right? And so simultaneously in that one life, you are living all moments of that life at the very same time, okay? Now, add on to, <clears throat> so let's say you're married to this person in the, this life, right? So that's great, blah, 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 you do you, whatever. You've got your whole history, whatever. Here's another iteration of you. Now you're married to somebody else and you're living that at the same time. Over here, never been married living that at the same time. I am so glad you brought this up. So do you know who Jason Segal is? Yes, I do, I think. The actor, he was the best friend in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know him. Totally. Have you seen his movie called The Discovery? I have not. Okay, so it's almost identical to what you just said. Now, the the Discovery's premise is really kind of provoked. I'm going to read you the actual premise of it, and then I'm going to tell you what it is, okay? All right, cool. So the written one is two years after the afterlife is scientifically proven, a man attempts to help a young woman break away from her dark past. Now the actual movie, and to those of you who have seen it, you'll appreciate this. To those of you that haven't, I'm not going to spoil like the actual movie. You'll understand what's going on. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. It's fabulous. Awesome. I totally am going to. So... The afterlife is scientifically proven to exist in the premise of this movie, okay? Mm-hmm. And they do it with, like, advanced EKGs and stuff. Now, what they can't prove is what it is. They just prove that it exists. They can't really see it, touch it, feel it. There's no tangibility there, right? Sure. So this gentleman, Jason Segal, he keeps reliving the same day, basically. He, okay. and, and his existence, he keeps repeating the same cycle where he wakes up on a ferry heading to this island to meet the gentleman who proved that the afterlife is real. And there's a whole bunch of backstory to it. You find out through the premise of the movie that his why, his, his reason for being there is to save this woman's life. Oh. From herself. Okay. Okay, so she's going to take her own life? And from circumstance. Because it's basically, it, it kind of plays into the role of is fate real or is it, or are you the architect? Because to him, he sees no matter what he does, she keeps dying. Whether she kills herself, somebody kills her, circumstance kills her, something. Okay. His, his why is to save her. But you find out at the end of the movie that when he's waking up on the yacht, the ferry, heading to the island, we as the audience think it's like Happy Death Day, where it's the same person, same existence, same reality, same everything, right? Okay. It's not. Every single time he dies, he's transcended to, the, uh, to another simultaneous existence of himself in a different plane. See? That's what I'm talking about. It is alive, <laughs> people. It is happening right now. And you know, and wouldn't it just be great if you could just reach out and talk to that other person and be like, oh, you know what? This is why my attachment here makes sense because I'm actually living it in some sort of iteration over here. There's, a, uh, there's an old, I don't know what religion it's from, but I learned it when I was studying pagan mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an iteration of what deja vu is, what we call deja vu. Right. That basically says that deja vu isn't you having an anonymous feeling about an area, situation, a person, or place. Right. But it's, it's your existence proving to yourself with a tangible capability that you're on the right path for who you are supposed to be. The reason you feel like you've been somewhere, done something, experienced something before is because an iteration of you who's followed the path you're meant to be on has, is, and was doing that, and you're now in that folk. That is so crazy. That is so crazy. Well, we could go on and talk for literal days, apparently. (laughs) And you and I are going to have to work to name this mofo because I don't even know what happened, but it was crazy, delicious, and insane. Um, The context of the show was supposed to be about self-sabotage and tapping into paying it forward and how this is a miraculous thing. What's happened is that I believe this was the tipping point for you. I believe it brought you forward into the best version of yourself right now, where you're expanding in all kinds of areas. And you're sick, hella intelligent, dude. Seriously. Like, go teach a class. It's ridiculous how smart you are. So anybody else, you know, in your, in your life, whoever said otherwise, I just want to say a big fuck you. i appreciate that (laughs) yeah but i've um i mean my mind my head is spinning and i greatly enjoyed having you on it was very surprising 
And if you don't mind me interrupting for a second to kind of wrap up the self-sabotage to bring it back to the start. <laughs> sure. Uh, I just want to let everybody know that's listening. I mentioned earlier that I got expelled from high school for the school district as a sophomore. Sure. The vice principal who was there during my expulsion, I did not get along with. His name was Chuck. After discovering the, like, pay it forward, do things in spite of, like, personal growth, like, your life can be more than just you. Yeah. Uh, Chuck's one of my close friends now. Oh, I've wow. I've I've gone to his house, had dinner with him and his wife. I've helped him with his companies. I've hung out with him and their kids. The one of the gentlemen that expelled me is one of my close friends now, as okay, well as I his family. That. I love. I think that's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, listen to that. How often do you hear that? How often do you, it's like you turned him too. It's like you proved to him, you know, what his theory of truth, my theory of truth is this. I look at this young man, I believe this to be true, but you disproved it. You absolutely disproved him. That's incredible. I don't think I disproved him. I think, I think all along to some degree, there was some kind of expectation that I wasn't living myself up to. Sure. And, sure. and I think when I started to actually realize like who I am, what I'm about, mm -hmm. like my why, and aligned my life with that instead of being rebellious and retarded. And I don't mean retarded as in like the non-PC oh way. Oh my God, I, mean, we I, I was not dumb. use that yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> not use it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I specified that. Like, I get it. I've got close family and friends that are, that are on the spectrum as well. So I don't mean it disrespectfully. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I mean, though, is he learned from you. He learned from watching you. He learned from the experience of having you as a friend. I mean, he truly did. He had to have. Yeah, but I think it goes both ways because I learned from him. 100%. I could totally see that. It's a give and take always. Well, this was amazing, Bryce. And um, you are a chasm of knowledge. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for being on and for sharing so much of what's moving you, what's moving you forward, and just kind of ripping open that vein and, and letting people see that it's okay where you are right now. You don't have to be there. You're not going to be there. And maybe this is a different way it's, it's certainly you brought in a different methodology of examining this and even that you can move forward without self-awareness. I think that's a huge thing to take away today too. So priceless information from you today and I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Wonderful. This is why we have such a variety of guests on the show, and it's also why we tackle so many different topics, because I want one of these guests to resonate with you. I want one of these guest messages to reach in deep to help you improve your life in the way that it needs improving. And nobody's telling you that your life needs to be improved. I'm saying if the show, if this topic resonated with you and you can use it to help yourself that's exactly why we are here. That's exactly why Bryce Vance of the Inbound Secrets and Funnel Driven LLC is here with us today. If you are stuck in the muck of self-sabotage, it's hard to get out because at the base, self-sabotage can be very comforting. It can be something that even harkens back to your formative years that you've used as a defense mechanism to get into the comfort zone of your life. So, if you are truly comfortable living in survival mode, you will find that self-sabotage is a very frequent partner for you throughout your life. It may be a partner, partner that you don't want anything to do with, but it is still there. To talk to Bryce about this and other topics, other amazing, astronomically expansive freaking topics that we talked about today, and more specifically, what he did to break out of his rut please email him at Bryce at DrivenROI.com. We will also have that information for you right on the podcast blog, as always. Remember, Bryce can help you in your business. 
particularly as it relates to content and branding and just being a regular dominant badass with the ability to stay in business. And remember this mantra that has haunted Bryce in the past three weeks. Consistency conquers complacency. Before you head out today, or maybe you're already out there doing your thing, I do want to remind you that business module courses have launched over at SickBiz. Back in 2017, when this nonprofit came to be, that was exactly the reason that I put it together. I wanted to share with other people what works, offer them resources to get them up and running, and get some money in the door, even that day, even ASAP. Now it's come to fruition with SickBiz business courses. And let me be clear, we're offering eight business modules for the low, low price of $500. That's another reason why we came to be. So many courses out there are not affordable for the startups, for entrepreneurs that just need the resources to gain that traction, that foothold, and get going. If you want information, please email sickbizco at gmail.com. I'd be delighted to set you up. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. As always, be well.